we are talking about so. For God so loved the world. We are talking about how do we reflect the love of God? How do we show people the love of God? And, and you know, we, we started off last week talking about you cannot reflect what hasn't been revealed. How many of you took some time this week just to reflect on the love of God in your life? Just to take a time to reflect, man, he loves me. Everything that I have, everything that I am, he has given to me. I could be lost. I could be in sin. I could be dying on my way to hell. But he has redeemed me, restored me, brought me into his kingdom, taken me out of darkness, brought me into light. Amen. And when we reflect on that ourselves, we can reflect that to the world. You realize that you're reflecting what you take internally. What is inside you is reflected outside of you. And, and we find ourselves less judgmental and, and, and less uh, of, uh, you know, defining the lines between them and us. And we begin to find that if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be right where they are. Amen. If it wasn't for the for the cross and for the blood being shed, if it wasn't for me making the choice in my life to live for him, I'd be uh, in, in the midst of sin and darkness. But look at this in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And if you haven't read Matthew chapter 23, you need to. Uh, because Jesus is rebuking the nation and rebuking his people that have rejected him. This is right before he's about to go to the cross. And he's looking out on the sin with pity, with compassion, with, with, with sadness, because they reject the very person that he is. He came as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, as the son of God, and they didn't receive him. And look what he says here in verse 37. He kind of, kind of sums it up. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How many of you are thankful that God has sent people in your life to show you the light and show you the way, But for years and years and ages and ages, Jerusalem rejected the very men, the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Jonahs and the Joels and the Amoses, the Ezekiels, these prophets and men of God that God sent to them to show them there's a better way than what you're doing, how you're living. And he says, you've stoned them, you've killed them. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But look at this. But you were not willing. It's amazing that God wants to reach everybody. And we know this, that if he could, if, if he could force it on people, he would do it. If he could force people to receive him, he would do it. If he could force, but God doesn't operate by force. He operates by love. Love operates out of choice, not by force. Slavery operates by force. There's no choice. You don't have a say in this, you have to choose to live for God. You have to choose to make him the Lord of your life. And even Jesus, in all the power and all the authority and all the signs and the wonders and miracles that he brought to this place, the one thing he could not change was people's minds. He could change leprosy. He could change blindness. He could change deafness. He could change uh, people that couldn't walk, people that couldn't speak. But the one thing that he could not change was the mind. It's the one thing he didn't have control over. When we say that we're reaching the lost, we've got to define lost. What does that look like? What does lost mean? I was watching uh, an ESPN 30 for 30. Anybody ever seen those, those short stories that they do? They're awesome. They do such a great job with those. And I was watching one on a young man. His name is Ted 
Marinovich, Marinovich, Ted Marinovich, Marinovich. Uh, and, and I don't know if you know who he is. He played, he's a quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, and his dad um, was a football player and, and uh, suffered an injury. But when he had a son, he decided to raise this son to play football. And from when he was still in the crib, couldn't even walk yet, he's already doing stretches on him. Uh, and already putting a football in his hand. Uh, they didn't give him any, uh, any help when he learned to walk. He learned to walk all by himself. They didn't give him things to pull on and jumpers to jump in. He, 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 he studied this thing out, uh, even down to his diet. The, the kid never ate sugar, never ate sweets. Uh, he only ate you know, certain type of foods when he was a child. And then as he grew up, was real hard on him, you know, just... You know, and, and, but the kid excelled, was great at football, was, was keeping up with seniors when he was just a freshman in high school. Ended up being a star for high school, ended up going to USC and being a star at USC. He, he, had, uh, he, he had this ego problem, which he had to be benched quite a bit because he thought, you know, he was all that. And so you need to put me in. And the coach decided, you know what, you're not going in. And so there were some issues there. And his sophomore year uh, ends up coming out one of the first uh, college football players that came out their sophomore year and decided to go into the NFL. This is back in the 80s, 1987 to 89, I believe he played for USC. Gets drafted by the Raiders, but in college and in the NFL, he ended up getting around the wrong people, ended up in drugs and, and all kinds of drugs, heroin, cocaine, marijuana, the whole bit. And ended up buckling under the pressure of his father um, and, under, uh, and ended up buckling under the pressure of the NFL because the NFL, he had all the freedoms. He ended up playing for the Raiders who at that time were in Los Angeles where he grew up. So he didn't get away from the crowds, didn't get away from the people and really never grew up. Ended up buckling under the pressure, got arrested a few times and ended up running away. Running away, like disappeared. Didn't want to play football anymore. Didn't want to be this person that everybody expected him to be. He loved the game, loved playing, but he, he didn't want to be that person. And so he ran away. And as I was watching it, everyone kept saying that he was lost. They didn't know where he was. But he wasn't lost. See, we have to recognize the difference between a lost person and someone that doesn't want to be found. There's a difference. The other day I was with Camden in Target. And we were walking down the aisle and he kind of got ahead of me. And I just decided to play around with him. So I ducked into one of the, the aisles where he couldn't see me. And he's just running off. And then all of a sudden I hear, Daddy? Daddy? Dad? And it took like two seconds before he's freaking out. And I popped out. I'm right here. I'm right here. But what I recognize is that lost people want to be found. Now, we automatically categorize all people that are living in sin as lost. We automatically, if you are living in sin, you're a lost person. We automatically do that. But what I've come to realize is that not all people living in sin want to come out of sin. I'm all about people. You know, people have asked me since, you know, we've had all this stuff happen just this past summer, uh, you know, with the legislation and, and and, and, you know, being a pastor, people want to ask you as a pastor, how do you handle this? How do you deal with it? 
What if they come into your church? What if two homosexuals come into your church and they sit down and they're holding hands? And, and, and I, I think I made this statement maybe to our leadership staff, but the thing that I've identified with this specific agenda, homosexuality, is that there's a pride about it. In fact, they even have a term, gay pride. They have flags and parades. I don't know anybody stuck in pornography that has a flag. Um, I don't know anybody that's fornicating, sleeping with someone when they're not married, that, that has a parade of fornicators. Let's just all get in the streets and just walk up and down. But homosexuals have a parade. There's a pride about it. And somebody asked me one time, why is it so different? Why is this issue? I mean, it's all sin. Why is this issue different? I said, usually when I meet someone that's in pornography, they want to get out. They hate it. Usually when I meet someone that's addicted to drugs, they tell me, I don't want to do this. Every time I smoke it, I, I, I don't want to smoke it. Every time I, I, I'm rolling it up, I, I just, I hate this lifestyle. I hate uh, living in this adulterous relationship and having to hide. I, I'm tired of it. But until they get tired of it, you can't reach them. And what I've recognized is not all people living in sin are lost. Many of them don't want to be found. They want to walk in this door and make a statement. They're not here. I want to reach the people stuck in pornography. I want to reach the drug addicts. I want to reach those. I want those people in our church. I want the homosexuals in our church. But they have to come in here with the heart that says, I'm tired of this lifestyle. I can't. This is a fake. This is a substitute. I'm trying to replicate the real thing, and I need to be free. And Jesus right here says, how badly do I want to gather you under my wings like a hen does her chicks? But he ends it with, you weren't willing. Not all lost people are willing to be found. Some are just wanting to be lost. I've recognized that when people truly are lost, they they will do everything. They're crying out for help. Just as my son was crying out in the middle of Target saying, Daddy, Daddy, they're crying out for their father. They're crying out for peace. They're crying out for deliverance. They're crying out for freedom. And Jesus met many people that were crying out. But then he also met a religious group that was not crying out. They wanted to make a statement. And their pride went before their fall. We've got to recognize this, church. Yes, we want to reach the lost. Yes, we want to reach people. But you have to recognize those who want help. Even Jesus said it's like casting your pearls before swine. You're giving them the greatest investment, but they're trampling all over it because they don't want to hear it. Today I want to talk to you about leading with love. Lead with love. Lead with love. I want to take you back to John chapter 3, verse 16. It's where we started last week. I almost don't even have to put that one on the screen. We all know it. But John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Remember, the so is the qualifier. We're focusing on the so because the so determines what you do about it, what you give. You know, I've recognized this, that my natural, let me put it this way, my spiritual investment is always greater when I give a natural investment. Let me say, let 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 me put it this way. 
How many of you have ever set, met somebody and uh, maybe, and, and you could just be honest because I, I'm in the same boat. Don't think because I'm a pastor, I'm some super spiritual person that I do this every single time. But how many of you uh, have ever met someone, maybe they have a need or they, they have something going on, and you say, hey, I'll be praying for you. How many of you have ever said that? Just ever said that? Everybody. Okay. How many of you actually prayed? Okay. How many of you didn't? Be honest. There's times I didn't. There's times I said, hey, I'll be praying for you. And I went back and I never prayed. I never prayed. I've started doing this, uh, that I stopped right there. Hey, let's pray right now. Let's just pray. Because I can tell you that I'll pray, but I'll be honest. I I might forget. I I may forget, but we can touch and agree right now together. I'll take their hand right there. Let's pray about that right now. I'll be praying for you, Mom. Well, let's just pray right now. It doesn't take two seconds. It doesn't take me that long. Not to be some drawn-out prayer. Because, honestly, I, I may forget. But I've recognized this, that when I invest in something naturally, my spiritual investment steps up. Uh, there's been times where people have been hurting or in need in the church, and, and we've uh, uh, set up maybe someone's passed away, or we've tried to set up meals for them. And I've noticed that I'll go and I'll drop off that meal, and when I'm driving away, I'll pray for them. Because it puts it on my heart even stronger when I make a natural investment. If you give to certain ministries, you probably pray for them too. Uh, if you give to people in need, you probably go ahead and say, you give a spiritual investment. But I've noticed that my spiritual investment is enhanced when I naturally invest. See, God could have spiritually invested. Imagine if Jesus came down here, separated from heaven, came to the earth, and then he said, hey, guys, I'm praying for you. Right? I'm praying for you. We know over in John chapter 17 when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying for us, guys. He's praying for me and you, for the church. I pray that they'll be one just like you you and me are one, just, just like you and I are one. I, I, I pray that even though the world hates them, that they will, you'll give them a voice. Holy Spirit, you'll speak to them in due season. He prayed for us. But how many of you know he also gave a natural investment? He gave his life. Amen. I, 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 how important would it have been if he just came to the earth and, and then left and said, hey, I'm praying for you. <laughs> but didn't die on the cross. Didn't do anything naturally to invest in you and I. Didn't actually give up something. I've recognized that when there's a natural investment. So the so qualifies what he gave. How much did he give? That he gave his only begotten son. That he gave his most prized treasure and possession. Now, when we're presenting the gospel, when we're ministering the gospel, I believe that presentation enhances the product. I'm a presentation guy. Uh, When I see a, a product how it's packaged attracts me. Or anybody else see like attractive packaging? There, there are some companies out there that, man, they can their packaging is almost better than the product inside. I, I, my, uh, you all know uh, Joshua Clay. Um, he is a package junkie. He will buy the most worthless junk because it's inside an awesome package. And he admits it. Dude, I just love the packaging. I just love the marketing. He's a graphic designer, so he gets sold on that very quickly. And me too. The way it's the one thing that I love about Apple, I love their products, but I also love how they market and package their products. I love their commercials. 
I mean, it just makes you want to get off and buy it. I don't even need that. I don't even have the stuff that I have from Apple. I don't even need. I just like how they package it. I bought the, the Apple Watch this past summer. And the packaging was, I was like, I saved it. I'm not going to lie to you. It's sitting in my, I did not throw it in the trash. I have it. I have the box. They put it in this, this awesome slim case that's got, you know, the microfiber coating on the inside. And that's what it's set in. And I'm like, I got to find something to do with this. I need to put, maybe I'll keep it in here. I, I have it. But they, they, the, the package, but here's the thing that I've realized. A great product presented poorly attracts nobody. Now, the flip side of that, you can take a great product and put it inside garbage packaging. And your sales go down. Guys, we have the greatest product on the face of the planet. That is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. There's no greater product you can give somebody. But I think the church needs to do a better job of how they present the gospel to the lost. Are we making the gospel attractive to people? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever would believe on him would not perish, but that they would have eternal life. Great product. But imagine if Jesus came here in hatred rather than love. Imagine if Jesus came uh, in condemnation rather than conviction. Imagine if Jesus came with, uh, imagine if instead of saying, I didn't come here to serve but to or to be served but to serve imagine if he would have said everybody bowed down and worship me because i'm the king of kings and the lord is lord and he could have but he knew nobody will accept my product if i don't properly present and so i want to talk about how are we presenting the gospel because a great product presented poorly attracts nobody Ephesians chapter 4, we, most of us know this verse, we've seen it before. It, it brings up one of the greatest dichotomies in the kingdom and in the church. One of the greatest, uh, it's almost like a disagreement, it's like the two don't go together. We know in John chapter 1, just to quote it for you, John chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. You realize Jesus operated in grace and truth. I think this is one of the greatest struggles the church has is how do we present grace and truth? And so here's another one in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's start with verse 13. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man, that doesn't mean perfect like you don't mess up. That means mature, grown up, grown up. The church should be growing up. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We should look like Christ, the church. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, here it is, speaking the truth in love. The truth is the product, and it's wrapped in a presentation of love. Speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Speaking the truth in love, how you present a product product speaks about the product. How we present a product speaks about the product. See, when I go to purchase a product and I see that they have given attention and care and detail to even the packaging of the product, that speaks volume for how they care about the product. It tells me a lot about how they care. When I walk into a store, I, I look at how they keep the store up. Well, we know this with the church. Imagine if you came to church today and there was just trash all over the parking lot and, and we hadn't vacuumed any trash and, and last week's uh, trash was still sitting in the chairs uh, all week long and we didn't come in here. We didn't empty the trash cans. We didn't clean the bathrooms. There were nasty stains all inside the toilet bowls and on the sinks and, and, and the mirrors were covered with, with the soap that splashes up from last week. Imagine if... if, if uh, you went to drop off your kids and it was just trashed and toys were just everywhere and, and the teachers were just over in the corner just conversating, not caring about your kids. Uh, how many of you would stay? Scott, Scott's go. So that's why we give a lot of attention and detail and care to what this place looks like before I even preach the word. This is the most valuable part of what we do in a service is training and teaching the word. We don't come here just to sing songs, although we love to do that. We don't come here uh, to be greeted at the door, although we love being greeted. We don't come here uh, to, to enjoy a nice facility, but we take care of that. But this is what we're, this is the product. Yet all that other stuff that we do is the presentation of the product. Because you don't care what I have to say. If you don't care, if you know that I don't care to clean the carpet. Because that speaks of how I care about you. I don't do all that so you can care about me. I do all that. We do all that. Because we care about you. The presentation says, I care about you. Care about my product. Because I care about you. And see, when we learn to present the gospel properly, the truth, but when we wrap it in love, it says you don't need to care about us until we care about you. We see people living in sin. Anybody seen people live in sin recently? Anybody seen people living in sin on the way here maybe? <laughs> uh, did you see some people living in sin uh, in the car? Showing up, maybe at the Starbucks on the way here. Uh, we see it all the time. But how do we confront the sin and love the sinner? This is the thing we've got to discover. The announcement that we made two weeks ago about possibly purchasing some property, and I just want to go ahead and say this. I've got a, a few meetings this week that are important meetings. I need you to be praying for me. I need you to be praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to me and give us the direction in, in, in these decisions that we make. Um, and I've got some important meetings. I'm going to be sitting down with some important people this week uh, that are going to basically determine the course of our church and how we steer this thing. And I just want to hear from God. But when we made that announcement, that's because I care 
about this city. It's not because I want people to care about us and what we're doing and the property we get and the buildings we build and the ministries and programs we do. It's because I want to reach this city for the kingdom of God because I see people that are living in sin and God has a better way. I want an opportunity to speak the truth into their life because truth sets people free. The truth is what we need to get to. But Paul here says, church, Ephesians, learn to speak the truth in love. Wrap the truth in love. Because until you learn how to love properly, they won't receive your truth. And the love speaks for your care for them rather than their care for you. Presenting a gospel that just speaks truth that's not in love, do you understand that is the greatest contradiction the world has ever known? To, to speak a message of love in hatred with a sign that says this is an abomination, you're going to die and go to hell, Let's just pull out all the verses that tell us, uh, that, that identify that you're living wrong. Is that what this Bible is for? Is so we can just pick out all the verses that identify how somebody else is blowing it? So we can look at the beam in someone else's eye, or miss, point out the speck in their eye and miss the beam in our own? This is what Jesus was talking about. Now, Jesus spoke truth. I'm not telling anybody in this world, in, in this room, to deny the truth of the word of God and compromise. This is the struggle that we have. How do I speak the truth without compromising the message? Without compromising what I believe? You know, we're dealing with a woman right now in our nation that was put in a situation, that's in a situation, where she stands up for something. And just last week, somebody was asking me about this. Pastor, what do you think? I was at a party. And I said, Pastor, dude, I'm, I'm just, the kids are at a party. I'm just hanging out. I mean, Pastor, but I mean, this is just the hat you wear, man. And so they asked me, you're a pastor. What do you think about it? Should she have done it? Should we have arrested her? And, you know, it's a tough situation because she's employed. She's employed. I mean, she could easily just say, you know what? If that's what you're going to do, I'm going to resign. JFK actually made the statement. Back in 1960, he said, if I'm ever put in a situation where I have to rule on something that contradicts what I believe, I'll, I'll return in my resignation. He made that statement. And so it begs the question, well, then just step down. But I'll tell you what, church. I, honestly, I don't have an answer for you. Should she have done it or should, shouldn't she? But I will tell you this, that there will be an opportunity for the church to stand for the word even when the law contradicts it. You're just going to have to face that. If she didn't stand for that, she'd have to stand for something eventually. If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for anything. And so, should she, or she, you know, I, I believe that's just her personal conviction and what she believed she needed to do. But I'll tell you right now, Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 were told, never preach in the name of Jesus. And that was the law. That wasn't just someone saying, I'll beat you up if you do this. That was, uh, we will arrest you, and we will kill you if you ever mention the name of Jesus again. And what did they say? Uh, I don't know about you, 
and I don't care about man, but I just have to do whatever my God tells me to do. I'm sorry, but your law, even though political and in government, does not determine my course of action. Only the word does. So at some point, we will. uh, uh, We're not far from it where me preaching the word will be claimed as hate speech. And I'll have to determine, do I bend to the law of the land or do I stay with the government of the kingdom? And I think you know what I will do. It's serious days that we're living in. So I don't have an answer for her specific situation. Uh, If I was in her situation, what would I do? Would I resign or would I go ahead and stay the course and say, you know what? We've got to demonstrate that our country can't do this. They can't bypass two other uh, uh, branches of government and make one of them overpower the other two. Make a statement. I don't have anything against that. The kingdom's going to have to make a statement at some point. And then one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make a statement that will end all statements. Because the king is returning. Amen? Hallelujah. So uh, the truth of God must be presented in the love of God. A message of love cannot be presented in hate. It's two completely contradictory things that will diminish the value of the product because of how you package it. We have to discover that the truth is never compromised, but how we, can't we present it and package it differently? Now, I'll tell you what determines how you package it. It's the end goal, the end result. The packaging is the first thing you see, but it's to get you to the goal, purchasing the product and using it for your benefit. That's the goal. The goal isn't just to walk by and say, oh, isn't that beautiful packaging? No, the goal is to attract you and say, oh, man, i got to have that. Are we presenting the gospel in such a way that people who do not have the gospel say, I have to have that. That's what I'm missing. That's what I need. There's an attraction. There's a draw to people that, 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 that don't have what we have. Thank God for what we have. But it's not to say, thank God for what I have. Now I'm keeping to myself. Thank God for what I have. Now let me share it with you. Let me tell you about this product I have. You've got to get you one of these. Anybody ever told a friend that? You bought something? Dude, you've got to get you one of these. You've got to get this car. You've got to get this phone. You've got to get this. You've got to eat here. You've got to try this place. Man, this stuff is good. You've got to have some of this. If you ever go to downtown Disney, you have to eat at Raglan Road. Don't you dare go, down to down, go to downtown Disney ever again without eating at Raglan Road. That is my favorite restaurant in the whole world. I love that restaurant. And I try to get at least two or three bites of it when I, uh, a year when I get down there. And you got to go. Why am I telling you that? Because the product is phenomenal. And you have to go. I'm letting you know. You, got, you have to try this. Are we doing that with the kingdom of God? Man, God's love. Man, God's love in my life. I mean, do you know where I would be if I didn't accept Jesus as Lord? I mean, living for God is just so much blessing in my life. I mean, he's restored my marriage. He's healed my family. I mean, the job that I have today is because his favor. It wasn't because of anything I did. It's all because of him. And I give him the glory and the praise. And you, he'll do the same thing for you. Do the same thing for you. 
Man, I was stuck in this one thing. I was doing drugs, man. I couldn't get out. But man, he set me free and he can set you free too. Not, look at me, man. I, I got cleaned up. You can do it. I mean, look at me today. I'm, I'm awesome. <laughs> and wait, you could be awesome like me. It's a different presentation. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians. Back up. Back up one book. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. What is the end result of the message of the gospel? Why do we need to minister the gospel? Why is the gospel so important? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that's not a five-fold ministry. That's not you have to go to Bible school or seminary uh, and, and be ordained. That is, you come into the kingdom, you're already qualified to be a minister of reconciliation. What is reconciliation? To reconcile means to bring back or to restore. And all of us have the responsibility, being in the kingdom, the ministry of reconciliation. Chapter 6, verse 1, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, yeah, you thought you were spiritual, you restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Go back to verse 1. Brethren, if a man is caught in trespass, forget about that guy. Separate yourself from them. No. It says, if any man is overtaken in a trespass. You who are spiritual, restore. Guys, this is, this is where you will change your package. When you recognize that the end goal is that they be restored and reconciled to their Father in heaven, you will do whatever it takes to see that person come to Christ. You will do whatever it takes to see that lost person be found again. Now, again, I'm defining lost because you'll come across people that they don't want to change. They have a pride issue. They don't want to acknowledge. I mean, you just, you just love on them and you just pray for them. But when we see people bound in sin, our first approach shouldn't be to show them all the stuff that they're doing wrong. Let's show them everything that God did right to reconcile them back to their king again. Let me tell you the determining factor. The determining factor is always your heart. It always starts with your heart. Everything that you have in your heart will one day come out. What's internal will become external. Now, the heart, there's two Opportunities that you have when you're confronted with someone who's living in sin. You can either want to prove that you're right. Or you can want to see them get right. And we should never desire to be right. 
over the desire to see someone get it right. There's a lot of Christians that the, when, the, when they see people in sin, their only confrontation, their only desire is, I just want to prove that I'm right. I just want to prove that I know what it says about what you're dealing with. And their desire isn't to see them come out. It's to see them be on top. But man, when your heart is, God, I just want to see you get it right. There's so much purpose. There's so much potential in you. There's so much that God has destined you for. And if you could just get this off of you, let me tell you something. My God has made a way that he can get you out of that mess. I can't do it. I don't have the power to do it, but we can pray together right now. We can make Jesus. You can make Jesus the Lord of your life. The only reason I have what I have today, the only reason I am what I am today is because I made Jesus the Lord of my life. He's set me free. He's healed me. He's delivered me. He has uh, 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 set off the bondage that was in my life, and he can do the same thing for you. And I want to see you live a fruitful life. I want to see you be the father you know you can be. I want to see you be the husband you know you can be. I want to see you be the mother and the wife you know you can be. I want to see you be the business owner you know you can be. I want to see you raise those kids the way I know you can. My desire is to see you come out of what you're bound in. We said this months ago. We said until we see sin the way God sees sin, we won't see people the way God sees people. Sin is something that binds people up. It locks them up. It, 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 it puts them in slavery. Paul said you are enslaved to sin. You obey sin. Sin tells you, sin is your master. Sin tells you what to do. But see, God sees sin as something that destroys a person's life. And when we see sin the way God sees sin, then you'll see people the way you'll see them bound up, locked down. They need deliverance. They need freedom. And so when we properly package, yeah, we know the truth. Thank God for the truth, and the truth sets us free. Thank God for the truth that delivers us. Thank God that I know the truth, and I'm not living a lie. Thank God that I know the truth that's been revealed to me by the word of truth. And yeah, I know what the word says. But you know why you need to come out of that kind of lifestyle? Is because if you could come out of that lifestyle, you could do so much more for the kingdom of God. You know why you need to quit doing drugs? Because the, dirt, the drugs are destroying your life and destroying your purpose. And you're going to lose everything. It's going to cost you everything. But man, if you could just receive the freedom from that thing that God has already given to you. Man, you could do so many great things. What's the motivation? The motivation is I want to see you restored and reconciled with my king. Man, he's got a plan for your life. He's got such a great purpose. He says that I've got great plans for you, plans for good and not for evil, to bring you a hope and a future. That The, the thing that you're bound in is killing your future. But, man, I know a God that's got a great future for you. Man, I want to show you what his word says. And yes, they have to accept the truth. Truth has to be accepted. Truth cannot be forced. You had to accept the truth. You had to come to realization whether you were five years old or 50 years old, uh, uh, whether uh, you had been running or whether this is the first time it came to you. But at some point, you had to come to a rec uh, realization in your life that this is not the way it should be. God, I need your help. 
You created me for a purpose. You've destined me for something great, and I need what you have for me. I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to do it your way. Everybody's had to make that decision. And yes, they'll have to accept that. But I'll tell you right now, the truth will be more attractive when you present it in love. If they can't be around you because they know, oh, that's that guy that's always telling me how sinful I am. He's always telling me I'm going to die and go to hell. He's just telling me this thing's an abomination. I've already heard all that. And I know that there's a struggle right now, even in in, in churches, where they they are having a hard time identifying sin for sin. We've been to the word. Now, I'm not telling you to compromise. We don't change what we believe. But I also believe, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That if you would just believe on him, live for him, make him the Lord of your life, you will be saved. To be saved, first you have to recognize that I need saving. But man, when they recognize that, They'll come running to you. They'll be in the aisles looking for you. Where, where are you at? I, I, I need you. I'm lost out here. I, I, I need what you have. Where'd you go? I, I, I. They will call you. They'll come running to you. They'll come running to these altars. They'll come running to this church. They'll come running to our ministries. They'll come and find you at work. They'll come find you. Because I need what you have. How are we pra- packaging the gospel. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. John chapter seven, John uh, chapter, John chapter fifteen, I believe. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's come and He will come to convict the world of their sin. Convict. But the Bible also tells us that the devil, he is the condemner of all. And when we come into the kingdom, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction has the other person's best interests at heart. Condemnation has my best interests at heart. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. Or John chapter 3, actually, right after John 3, verse 16 and verse 17, it says, Now, he didn't come to condemn the world. He didn't come to prove how awesome he was and say, You're missing it. You're blowing it. It's too bad for you. No, he said, I've come to convict the world to say, You will be so much better off if you receive what I have. When, When you present the truth in love, It says, I love you, and I don't want to see you continue to miss it and blow the life that God has for you. It's not about being like me. It's about being like him. Our message can be convicting, or it can be condemning. It can be condemning. We need to stay away from things that can seem condemning. I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm not making it a rule, but in texting, in social media, very few times is it perceived the way you meant to put it. That's why I don't comment on social media. That's why I don't put things on Facebook. Because 
Ten different people can take it ten different ways. And I didn't mean any of those. So I'll just pick up the phone and call you. I'll just go visit you. It's not, it's not worth, it's, it's not worth uh, 30 different people uh, construing what I say. A- a- have you ever read a, a news article that had a headline that just sucked you in and then you end up reading the article and you're like, man, that's stupid. Social media does, Facebook does that all the time. He saw this and you would never believe what he did. And then I read it. That was a waste of my, man, I'm going to drive, I'm going to find you. Yeah, they have these headlines that suck you in. And then you find out that the whole thing, it doesn't even line up with what the headline was. Garbage. And, 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 and so we've got to be careful because our message can be taken differently. You can put your thing out there, and, and even though you mean it to be in love, it's not perceived in love. Oh, you're hard. Oh, you're just one of those that just, you're going to preach to me now. You're going to do this. You're going to be one of those self-righteous, super spiritual people. Oh, okay, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Because what I meant to be convicting ended up being condemning. There's only one who condemns, and that's Satan. God could have condemned. You realize that? He could have condemned us. He could have spoken over us and said, forget it. I'm done. I've had enough. I mean, before we even get to the book of Matthew, uh, he's already wiped people, multitudes of people off the planet. He's already uh, had a flood. He's already opened up the earth and people have fallen in. Uh, 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 nations are being destroyed. His own people are being handed over to their enemies. I mean, uh, uh, just going from Genesis to Malachi, we've got some of the, the worst tragedies in the world, and we haven't even gotten to Matthew yet. We're still in the Old Testament. And yet we go through all that. And Jesus says, or God says, because I love you, I'm sending my son. The one who could have operated out of hate. The one who, who, have, who, who could have operated in condemnation, operated in love and conviction. Conviction just puts the truth in front of you and says, you got to have this. This will make you better. They don't need to be more like you. They need to be more like me. Amen, Chase, if you'd come up. Guys, we have to package better. What's in your heart will always come out. And that's why I started with the message that we had last week. Because when we get our heart right, guys, you will find, I I, I promise you, you will find reaching people will become easier. It'll be easier to talk to people in Target. It'll be easier to talk to your coworkers. It'll be easier to talk to your spouses. I know that we even have people that their spouses aren't even living up to standard. I hate that. The one thing on this planet that should be one, and we've got two. It's not the way God designed it. But I can tell you right now that when we get this, when we reflect on the love of God in our lives, You'll be able to show them the love of God much better. 
you'll be able to package truth. You just want them to receive truth. I know, I know. You want your coworker to know the truth of, of the word of God. You, you, you want those people that you know, you want that family member that you know that's living in sin, that you want them to know the truth of God's word because you know the truth set me free, man, and it can set you free too. But when we wrap it in love, when we wrap it in love, we'll get them to the end result. When they know this person loves me, that's the only reason they're bringing this to me is because they love me and they want to see me change. They want to see me different. That person is no different than me. They just made a decision that I need to make and I'm making that decision. I receive and make Jesus the Lord of my life. Father, give us the grace. Give us the grace to minister your gospel in love to speak the truth of the word in love Father the the greatest product there ever was the greatest message that we have and the power that it contains Paul said I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power it is the power Father the only power is the power in your word the power in the message of the kingdom. But Father, may we present the message properly. May we show people truth in love. May we lead with love. May it not lead with offense. May it not lead with attacking. May it not lead with condemnation. May it not lead with disagreement. May it not lead with I don't like you or I don't like what you're doing, but may it be led with love. The love of God. The love of God is what changes people's lives. Paul said, I can have faith to move mountains, but if I don't have love, I am nothing. How can we take something so great and it produce no results because we package it improperly? Father, we thank you that you are going to show us. Holy Spirit, speak to us. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we thank you that you help us communicate and show people the love of God in a way that we never have before. And we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor for the people that are going to come into the kingdom as a result of us presenting the truth in love. We thank you for this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah.